I got to tell you, I am pumped about tonight. I have been looking forward to tonight, this whole series. Um, our guest speaker and myself have been friends for almost 30 years, and I so love his heart. I just love um, the heart that he has for Christ, the heart he has for pastors, the heart that he has for the lost, and uh, he inspires me, and I just so admire um, the work that God has done through him um, in San Diego, and really all throughout various parts of uh, the world, but um, the the impact that the Rock Church has had upon the community of San Diego and the work that they do for the cause of Christ in our city all throughout North and South County is absolutely uh, amazing, and I'm just so blessed that he is uh, here tonight and here to share with you. I know he's got an awesome word for us. Would you please welcome Pastor Miles McPherson? What's up, church? What's up? When anyone ever, any, excuse me, I just have to get a little room over here because I want to, when anyone's introduced you as a 30-year-old friend, I felt like I need to walk up like this. <laughs> we were talking in the back saying it was 30, we were adding the years up, and it's been a long time, brother. We are, you are old, okay? <laughs> How's everybody doing? Let's give the Lord, let's give the Lord a big hand. Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. It is a pleasure to be here, and Pastor Rob and I met, uh, uh, what was it, 80-something, 80-something. I was a youth pastor at Horizon with Mike McIntosh and knew nothing about nothing. Uh, Actually, we knew nothing about everything, and and, uh, it was a great run. I was there until 2000 and started the Rock Church in 2000, so uh, God has been uh, taking us on a wild ride, and very excited to be there, very honored to be here. Can you all hear me Okay. Very good, very good. Um, God has been challenging me. I, actually, my wife is here, my wonderful wife. Can you stand up and just say hello here? Uh, I have uh, three children. We have three children. I have one wife, and we have uh, <laughs> the two-wife thing just didn't work out. Um, <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, I, we have one grandson uh, who's going to be two in May, and his name is Miles. My son's name is Miles, and... My grandson is, uh, you know, how many of y'all have grandkids? Y'all are old. Y'all are old. <laughs> man, grand, grand, grandparents are young these days, aren't they? Can I get amen? Here's one in the back. Is that, a grand, is that a granddaughter in the back? God bless y'all. How old is that? That's a cute little girl. My grandson is, uh, we're taking numbers. We can, uh... my grandson's a man of God. Look at this. He's like, yes, yes. <laughs> my grandson is, uh, he's going to be two in May, and uh, he prays, like, he prayed, do y'all know, thank you, Jesus. Do y'all know that song? Okay, everybody do this. Everybody do this. So whenever he eats, he learned this, he goes to our school, and whenever he eats uh, any meal, he has to pray, and here's how it goes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for our food and our friends and our many blessings and our many blessings. Amen. Amen. Then he goes, amen, in Jesus' name. So, so, but here's the thing. When he does it, as soon as we do it, if there's five people in the room, he looks to make sure everybody's in the room. And my mother, who lives with me, we, she's Gigi, great-grandma. And so we're praying, and he's looking around, and she was just kind of sitting at the table waiting. And he's like, Gigi, he will call you out. 
Um, but we have one grandson. I have three kids, 30 years old, 29 years old, 27 years old, and uh, uh, love serving the Lord. And God has been challenging me uh, lately in the last two weeks, two and a half weeks ago. I was driving to church, and I'm learning Spanish. Um, and I was praying, practicing my Spanish in the car, driving to church. And so I had my vocabulary words in the car. And I read the word rogad, which means to beg. Anybody here speak Spanish? No? Oh, I kept on saying San Diego. Come on now. <laughs> and as soon as I said that word beg, to beg, I just sensed the spirit of God on me where I couldn't talk. And he, and he just said, focus on me. And, and I got to the church and I did a sound check and I went to the back with the pastors and I couldn't talk. And he said, I don't want you to talk to anybody. I just want you to focus on me. And I don't want you to talk English until after you greet the church. And I've never really did an introduction in Spanish at our church. And, and I did that and I explained this in Spanish. And ever since that day, God's been saying, I want more of your attention. You're working too much. I want you to focus on me. And I want you to give me more of your 100% attention. And I want you to seek me. I want you to just do things. I want you to pursue me. And so before we pray, I, I want to challenge you in that. That you don't go through the motions in your faith. Uh, because it's, that's not what God wants. He wants you to seek him with all your heart. And, and to you apprehend him. And when, when he was on, when, when, when I was sensing his presence, I got to church, it was so good. I didn't want to, I didn't want people to mess it up. It's like, don't talk to me. You know, when usually I go in my green room and then uh, my executive pastors will come in and, and we'll talk. I was like, I got to be alone. And I called my wife up. I was on the phone crying. God's doing something. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but it's good. So I got to go. And I hung up there. I got to get at the phone. Uh, and, and God was, for that 90 minutes or, or an hour or so, God was like, this is, this, is, this is me and you. This could be me and you. But you let stuff get in the way between me and you. So I just want to give you a taste of what you can have. And so I want to, I don't know how, I know you got concrete floor. We do too. So I'm not going to have any mercy on you. Let's get on our knees. Can we get on our knees? Can y'all do that? Ay, ay, ay. I'm old. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for everybody that's in this room. And I pray that you would make your presence known to us. Lord, you created us in your image so you can have a relationship with us. And you created us in your image so we can sense each other's presence. We can sense your joy and your peace. We can hear your voice. We can be led by your spirit. It's so much more than intellectual or physical. It's spiritual. So we pray, I pray that you would speak to people. Lord, there's somebody here, there's maybe several people here, they've never given their life to you. And I pray tonight tonight they surrender their life to Jesus as their Savior. There may be some people here who have been dry in their spiritual life. They've just been going through the motions going to Bible study, going to work, going to church, and it becomes routine. You don't want routine. You want relationship. You want to be our daddy. I pray that we would seek you as our daddy. Like when my grandson sees me, runs, pop up, pop up, that we would run to you, daddy. 
And we want you to speak to us and encourage us and enlighten us. I pray tonight is a turning point in people's life that they surrender their doubt to you, their skepticism, their anger, their frustration, and you would replace it with joy and peace and patience and kindness and a hunger and thirst for holiness. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, that was for you. If you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. There is a, um, a monkey somewhere in the world. I don't know where this monkey is. It's called a spider monkey. You go hunt a spider monkey, if you were to walk through the woods to hunt a spider monkey, you would never be able to shoot the spider monkey. Because they would see you coming, hear you coming run through the trees and you would, you would just see the bushes, the, the, the leaves moving. But this one guy, when he goes to hunt the spider monkey, he goes through the forest and he takes this coconut that has a chain attached to it and it's hollowed out and he nails the chain uh, into the tree, puts rice inside the hollow coconut and he puts it all over the floor of the forest and he goes away. Comes back next day and he just walks through the forest and all these spider monkeys got their hands in the coconut and he just goes and shoots them. Boom, 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 boom. And all these spider monkeys, are, they got their hand in the, in, the, in the coconut and they're jumping up and down. And they're trying to break the coconut, but the coconut is a fake metal coconut. Then they try to bite the chain, but they can't bite the chain with the teeth. They can't pull the chain out of the, the stake out of the tree. And they're just banging this coconut on the ground, but it won't break. And, and the guy, just, he's not even running. He's not sneaking. He's walking out in the middle of the day, and he just walks right up to him and shoots him and shoots him and shoots him. And all the, thing, the only thing the, co- the spider monkey had to do to free himself was to let go of the rice. That's all he had to do. There are so many things that have enslaved us spiritually, but it's us we're holding on to something that's destroying us. And one of the things you're holding on to is doubt. Doubt. You know, what in the world is going on in our world? Our world is falling apart. Can I get amen? amen? I don't know why we can't get one legitimate person to run for president. <laughs> it's like, it, that, it, we got how many? 330 something million people. Can I get amen? I mean, I, some of y'all may be a Trump. I mean, you know, hey, I'm from New York. Trump's from New York. I, I hear you. I feel you. However, <laughs> it's chaos all over the world. The devil seems to be doing whatever he wants to do. People who hate God seem to be doing whatever they want to do. And I've been talking to so many people who are doubting, where's God? I mean, there was a girl chopped up in San Diego in a suitcase the other day. Where was God? I was sitting in a, in a basketball game recently, and this girl sits next to me, and she says, I went to your church, I, I go to the church, and I came in 2007, and it changed my life, and I was going through a lot of stuff, and I said, what happened to you? What was going on in your life in 2007? She said, I was raped. Where was God? Where's, where are all these religions? Which religion should we pick? All this injustice in the world, and, and some of y'all, I, I shouldn't say some of y'all, I know all of you have been in a place where you're like, God, why are you letting this happen? Can I get amen? amen. I was in my closet. Uh, uh, we had some horrible things happen at our church this year, and someone asked me, on a scale of 1 to 10, how, how bad was these things? I said, not even in the top 10. 
I was going through something two years ago. I was in my closet screaming out to God out loud. God, where are you? Where are you? And literally, he said, I'm right here. I'm like, well, can you come over here? <laughs> I mean, you came all the way from heaven to right there. Can you come over here? And, and, and sometimes you think you doubt God's faithfulness. You doubt his power. You doubt his willingness to bless you. You doubt his, I don't, I don't doubt his love, but I'm, I, I doubt his timing. Am I the only one? Does this resonate with y'all? And you're like, God, and, and by the way, non-Christians will say, I don't even believe God. I want to give you and, and share with you something today. And the, the whole point is to help you let go of your doubt. Give it to God. I can tell you that, but I want to explain it to you. I'm doing a whole series called I Doubt It, and we're talking about why people doubt God because of the skepticism in the Bible. So two weeks ago, I talked about why you should trust the Bible. Last week, we talked about this 4,200 religions in the world and cults and occults and why you should trust Christianity above all others. Uh, this Sunday is going to be about science. I love science. Like someone sent me a video today of when a sperm is, I mean, when an egg is fertilized, it lights up. Oh, you didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. They, 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 they actually had a video of a single em- egg. And when, it, when it, they didn't show the sperm going in it, but when the sperm goes in it, it flashes. It lights up. You are the light of the world. Literally. Literally. God is awesome. I mean, and, and people, people look at science. They think science disproves God. The invisible attributes of God are clearly seen in what he's made. Science points us to God. So we're talking about all these reasons because we have the devil's the devil's master at making you doubt God. The first thing he said, very first words, what did God say? Doubt. Because if you are sure that this is God's word and you are sure that God's promises are true, you won't worry about a thing. The world can fall apart. You can say, I'm standing on a rock. Everything can fall. Where I'm standing is not moving. This ain't moving. But if you start to doubt God's word, his faithfulness, his power, his ability to do what he said, his willingness to do what he said. And trust me, uh, last couple of years, I was at places like God screaming, God, why, 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 why? My, my, my oldest daughter does not walk with God. She hasn't walked with God in 10 years. And I remember being in the basement of my brother-in-law's house, or my sister's house, screaming out, crying, God, why? You know, I, 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 all these people get saved. I lead all these people uh, uh, who, get, who get saved. Can I just have this one? Matter of fact, can I trade these 10,000 or whatever and just, just for the one? I was like, why? He said, uh, uh, I said, God, you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me anything. However, he said, trust me. She's still not walking with God. Yes, sir. She will. He said, trust me. I received that, brother. I received that. I like that beard. <laughs> What's your name? Is it uh, uh, Lloyd? That's a Lloyd beard right there. <laughs> um, Mark eleven twenty two. I'll just read this to you. Mark eleven twenty two. Because people think if I have doubt, if I doubt God, I'm a sinner or there's something wrong with me. No, you're human. It's not a question of having doubt. It's a matter of your doubt having you. It's about what you do with your doubt. Mark eleven twenty two. it says, Jesus answered and said, have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. God wants to take you a doubt. James 1, 6, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect, everyone say expect, 
Everyone say expect. expect. Take a deep breath in. Say expect. Very good. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in his ways. Do you know that God answers your prayers not because of the amount of your faith? He answers your prayers way beyond the amount of your faith. In other words, God doesn't give you what you deserve. You understand that? God gives you way more than you deserve. But imagine if you say, God, I'm going to give you my doubt because I have a little bit, but I'm going to give that to you. Imagine what would happen in your life, what you would try. Imagine the things you don't try because you doubt God. Because you don't believe God. John the Baptist, right before he got killed, he sent his disciples to Jesus and said, hey, can you ask him, are you really the one? Because I'm going through something really bad right now. I'm getting ready to get my hood cut off because of that girl's up there dancing half naked for Herod. Can, can you tell me, am I going to die in vain or are you the really one? In other words, I, I, I little doubt this. Tell me. So it is very, very normal. How many of y'all are taking notes, by the way? If you could take a write this down. We'll give you three things. Write this down. Number one. The story of the father gives context to your doubt. The story of the father gives context to your doubt. You must, if anything you get tonight, get this. Your life is part of a story that God is unfolding in your life. What's happening today is only today. You do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. And the devil is going to bank on your ignorance about tomorrow to get you to doubt God today. But you are in a story, and it's very important for you to understand the story that you are in. So let me back up and tell you about story. 60% of the Bible is story, narrative. The Bible is made up of a lot of genres. It has uh, uh, legal text. It has songs, it has parables, it has um, uh, uh, historical information, it has letters, it has science fiction. I call it science fiction apocalyptic language. All of them have different rules of how you interpret it, but 60% of the Bible is narrative or story. And in every story, you're going to have someone who's God's friend. Everyone say God's friend. God's friend is a person, a group of people, an angel, or even an animal that is promoting God's agenda. Everyone say God's friend. In every story, you're going to have God's friend. In every story, you're going to have God's enemy. Say God's enemy. God's enemy is a person, a group, a nation, an animal, a demon that opposes God's agenda. Everyone say God's enemy. Say God's friend. In every story, you're going to have some entity or group of people that is God's friend. They are going to be in conflict with God's enemies. The plot of the story is the conflict. Moses is God's friend. Let my people go. Pharaoh and the Egyptians are God's enemies. They have a conflict. David is God's friend. I'm going I'm to fight in the name of the Lord. And, and Goliath and the Philistines are God's enemies. They have conflict. Gideon is God's friend. He has 300, well, he has, starts with 20-something thousand soldiers, goes down to 300, fighting the Midianites who had tens of thousands. And so you have God with 300. He's God's friend. The Midianites are God's enemies. They have conflict. Moses, Samson is God's friend. He's against the Philistines. They have conflict. Deborah, the judge, was God's friend. She's against the uh, um, uh, um, Canaanites. They have conflict. Are you following my story? So all throughout the Bible, there's in every story, There's someone who's God's friend, and there's someone who's God's enemy, and they have conflict. The conflict is always much bigger than God's friend can handle. Moses is Moses going to Egypt against Pharaoh, and all Moses has is a stick. Right? He can't talk. He's got his brother with him. He's got a stick. 
And he goes up to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh goes, brother, please. I'm Pharaoh. Why am I going to listen to you? You got a stick. I got everything. And Moses says, you know, if you don't let my people go, I'm, and, and, he, and you all know the story. God is always the hero. Because Moses can't do it by himself. So when David comes to Goliath, David's little kid, Goliath is nine feet, nine inches tall, a man of war since he was a child, the Bible says. And all the Israelites run when Goliath comes into the valley and talks traps for 40 days. 40 is a number of testing. He should have known after 40 days he's going to get his behind whip. But after 40 days, David comes down. David's a little kid. Goliath is a giant, has armor, shield, spear, helmet, and all David has is rocks. So you have little David with rocks against his giant. Again, David's God's friend. Goliath is God's enemy. The conflict is the, is the, the plot of the story is the conflict between the two. And the, and, the, and the conflict, the problem that David has is way bigger than he can handle. Same thing with Gideon. God said, God said to Gideon, you have too many people. I have to make this hard for you. He said that in so many words because I have to get the glory. So uh, David told, uh, uh, God told Gideon, get rid of all your troops except 300. Now you're going to go out against tens of thousands. But watch this. It's going to be way bigger than you can handle. You go on and on and on and on. All the conflicts in the Bible, you have God's friend against a bigger foe, God's enemy. And the, the problem is way too big for God's friends to handle. Can you, are you understand what I'm saying? And in every single story, God is the hero. Now, in the Bible, you say, well, well, God and the devil. God's not fighting the devil. The Bible story is not God against the devil. The Bible story is us against the devil. God against the devil is not a fight. It's, it's like, oh, it's a roach. Done. How many of y'all seen a roach before? Don't act like you ain't ever seen a roach before. How many of y'all seen a roach before? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> when you kill a roach, you have to kill it. You can't just step on it. You got to crunch it, burn it, <laughs> and then put the pieces different places because it'll come back together. <laughs> How many seen that happen with a roach? Those bad boys are the bomb. <laughs> they are awesome. <laughs> God, it's not God against the devil. It's us against the devil. So, God's friend. Everyone say God's friend. God's friend. Every story, God's enemy. Say God's enemy. God's enemy. Say conflict, conflict. Is, the plot. is the plot. Every story in the Bible is about God's friend against God's enemy. They're real stories. And in those stories, we learn many things. We learn the faith of God's friends. We learn the hopelessness of God's enemies. We learn the faithfulness and power of God, the hero. And we learn that God's friends always, if they do it right, trust God to where he does something way beyond what they can do. Are you following me? Okay, this is everything. So when you read the Bible, when you read these stories, and by the way, the whole Bible is a story. When you read these Bibles, you want to say, who's God's friend? Who's God's enemy? What's God? What is the conflict? What's the problem? And what's God's going to do? So what do I learn about God? What do I learn about his friends? What do I learn about his enemies? Now, here's the, here's the trippy part, the great part. I love this. Every single one of you, from the moment you were conceived, you were placed in a story. You were in a story right now. And everybody you know is in a story. So you are either God's friend or God's enemy. Now, some of y'all are schizophrenic. Can I, say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are like, what does that, that really mean? 
that one minute you're God's friend, and then the next minute you're God's enemy. Praise the Lord, then you're out in the cursing in the parking lot. Let me make it a little more real. Praise the Lord, then you're out in the lobby talking behind someone's back. You, know, you see people on, on TV, they, they commit murder, and you're like, oh, they, you know, I was watching TV the other day, and this guy molested and killed this kid. It was one of those forensics. What is those shows you watch? Forensics? What is it called? Forensic Files. My wife, she's just like, she loves Forensic Files. They're like, it's almost, it's almost a black and white show. It's so old. It's, in, it's, not, even in, it's not even HD. It's analog. It's like grainy. And she just sits there. It shows these, these cases are from like 40 years ago. It's, it's just, it is fascinating how they catch people, though. And this guy, you know, he just did all this horrible stuff. And, and I'm like, you know, that, that guy, you know, guys like that, uh, uh, they need to just do what they did in the Old Testament to those brothers. You know that when you slander, you commit murder? When you talk behind someone's back, you commit murder? When you think in your mind, they're this, they're that. God says you committed murder, and yet we say praise the Lord. So are you God's friend or are you God's enemy? Now, here's the thing. If you're, God's, if you're God's friend, you are going to have God's enemies in your life, and you are going to have conflict that's way bigger than you can handle. That's your story. This is very important for you to understand. You live this every single day. Look at Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Very simple. God's story. This is, this is the beginning of your story. Verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image. Ver, chapter 1. Did I say Genesis? Yes. Chapter 1. First book of the Bible. First page of the Bible. Genesis 1.26. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle over all the earth, over every creep that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In God's image, he created a male and female. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every creep that moves on the ground. What does this mean? That means that God created every single one of us in his image, like you create a glove in the image of a hand so you can put the hand in it. And God created us in his image so he could put his hand himself in it and move the glove. And he says, I've created you to have dominion on the earth, spiritual dominion. I created you to take care of the planets, to take care of the earth. Matter of fact, let me back up. He, he, created the, he created the fish, the birds, the bees, created the land, created the plants, created the sea. He says, Adam and Eve, everything works fine. Don't mess it up. I'm not giving you, I'm not giving you charge to do what you want. I'm giving you stewardship to make sure it honors me and glorifies me. That's your job. And by the way, you're going to come up with a devil. He's going to come at you. You have dominion over him. God gave you dominion over him. He didn't give him dominion over us. He says, I'm giving you dominion and authority. That's your destiny. That, that is, when you were born, you were born into a war. You weren't born to say, well, I'm, I'm born into San Diego, wherever, and I'm born into this family. Hopefully I have luxury and everything's going to be easy. No, you were born into a war, a spiritual battle. God, no, the devil's down there, we are down there, and that's the battle. God's friend, God's enemy. Your enemy's the devil. Don't forget that. Your enemy is not people. No people are your enemy. It's the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against the principalities of darkness. That's your story. And so every day you get up, you got to strap on the armor because your story is a story of war. 
A friend of mine is, is an is a athletic trainer for a, athletes and right now he's doing a lot of football plays getting ready to go to the NFL draft and one of the, and he also does guys in the military and one of the guys in the military he's training right now is a for, well he's a navy seal that lost his leg he has 6 inches of leg and a prosthetic and he is training him to go back into war that's your story you are a soldier a warrior and when you have doubt, does God doubt me he's going to pay my rent? He's like, you're a soldier. I was reading today with our pastors about the mighty men of David. David had 37 mighty men. 37. He had three. He had one chief, a group of three, then another group of three, and then another group of 30. And it says when he was, when he was talking about the top three, he said, this guy, when everybody else ran, he stayed and fought, and there was a great victory in the Lord. And this guy, when everybody else ran, he stayed and fought, and the, and, the, and, the, and the sword, he stuck to his hand. He couldn't open his hand. Those are my mighty men. That's you. That's your story. Now, you have to ask yourself, is, does that, does, do I just self-identify as that? Or am I in the back scared of society, of the government? Of what the devil's going to do to my house, what the devil's going to do to my life. Or am I a warrior of God? Because you are in that battle whether you like it or not. You are a warrior. He said, I made you this. Then chapter 3 happened. Look what chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. The serpent said, the serpent was, verse 1, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. The devil was more cunning. Everyone say the devil's slick. Let me tell you something. Please understand this. The devil is smarter than you. If you don't think the devil's smarter than me, that proves he's smarter than you. Because he wants you to think that he's dumb. He wants you to think he doesn't exist. He wants you to think he's not involved in your life. Now, he's probably too high in the food chain to deal with you individually, but his boys are dealing with you. He wants you to think, well, I'm a Christian and they can't get me. Oh, they get you. That's why so many Christians get a divorce. So many Christians are in pornography. So many Christians are are addicted. Oh, he's going to get you. You better understand you are at battle. You are in war. That's your story. You can't get out of that. You're either God's friend or you're really God's enemy. And if you're God's friend, the enemy will, will always come at you with more than you think you can fight. More than you can fight on your own. It will always be that way. And you can pray and pray and pray. Those battles will always be big. Don't let that question, don't let that cause you to question God. That's when you got to call on God. God's saying, let's have some fun. I want to whoop some booty. But it's got to be me. And look what the devil says in verse, (laughs) can I say booty at church? It's kind of too late. I just did (laughs) Verse 1, chapter 3, the serpent who was more cunning than any beast of the field the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, what did God say? Doubt. If you do not read the Bible, if you don't memorize the Bible, if you don't teach the Bible, if you don't talk about the Bible, you won't be able to answer that question. Because he'll tell you. I had someone come and say, uh, uh, can, I, can I smoke cigarettes? Uh, the Bible doesn't say you can't smoke cigarettes. That's because they ain't have cigarettes, fool. Now, I'm not saying if you smoke cigarettes, you're going to go to hell at all. For real. People who smoke cigarettes are going to go to heaven. 
you may smell like you just got back from hell. <laughs> Self-disclosure, I used to smoke weed, smoked weed for eight years, did cocaine for two years. I got saved April 12, 1984, stopped doing cocaine in one day, stopped smoking weed in one day. So I'm not trying to judge you, I'm just telling you fact. If you smoke, it's going to make your clothes smell. This is the temple of God. Honor the temple of God. That includes cigarettes, includes a nasty diet. You know that the most, the most productive years of your life are between the age of 50 and 70. Why? Because it takes you 45 years to figure out who you are. Think about it. How many of y'all are over 50? Okay, y'all are old. <laughs> Don't be offended. I'm 56. So uh, my wife, she's careful. <laughs> careful. Who said that? Who said that? <laughs> careful. <laughs> are you from the South? <laughs> New York. Okay, we, we're in New York. Get Greenwich, Connecticut. Okay, careful. My wife is beautiful. That's what my wife is. Okay. Well. Uh, uh, um, but it takes you 40-something years to figure out what you're about. And, it, and then by the time you get to 40, 50, you're starting to click. And then you're like, I'm going to retire. No, 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 no. No, no, this is when you need to be really clicking. So my, my heart's evangelism, and we used to do crusades, and we would get, you know, we did our first crusade here. We had like 4,000 people say, which is a lot of people. Online? Today, we get more people saved today. We get about 1,500 people a day, a day saved online today. Now, think about that. Think about this, though. You think about this. If I was like, well, now I'm going to try to retire, it's like now things are just starting to go. It's a battle you're in. And the devil wants to wear you out so you are not productive. You need to say, no, I am a warrior. And he says here, look what it says. In chapter, in chapter 3, verse 1, the servant was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every garden. Doubt, doubt, doubt. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Doubt. God made you a warrior. Everyone say, God made me a warrior. That's your story. So you have to think, am I God's friend or am I God's enemy? Turn to Mark chapter 9. Because this actually, this is the story that we're going to look at today. If you're taking notes, write this down, number two, in your notes. Number two. I'll let you get to Mark 9. I took one preaching class in my life. And in that preaching class, they said, when you ask people to turn pages, listen until the pages stop turning before you start talking. So I'm listening. Just to kind of tell you, full disclosure, what's going through my mind right now. <laughs> First thing, understand that the father's story give context to your whole life. I, you, we are warriors. We were born. We were born destined to... Uh, to um, live in a relationship with God. We're born to bear the image of God. We're born to have dominion over evil in our life. The devil is not supposed to have a victory in your life. 
God has given you authority over the devil. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? And when you live in his name, you have that authority. He's given you, he wants you to ask in his name to exercise that authority. That's who you are. But yet the world wants you to cave in and say you are nobody. You're supposed to walk around scared and fearful. And God says, no, I'm victorious. Even if you kill me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, said to Nebuchadnezzar, you can kill me. I'm not bowing. I'm not bowing. So do what you got to do, king. He lit the fire seven times doing the fire. They walked around the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar the king said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high, because only the most high can protect you from that fire. Come out. Now, if I'm Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm thinking, king, why don't you come on in? You the king. Number two in your notes. Write, down, write this down. The son of God engages your doubt. This is so cool. Jesus Christ came, and not only did he come to die for our sin, not only did he come to die for us, he died as us. What does that mean? He was human, just like you. The Bible says he was tempted in every way and never sinned. So everywhere you're tempted, he had to deal with the same thing. He had girl problems. He was in high school. He was the only dude in high school that understood girls. They would say, uh, they would say to the other guys, Joseph, um, I don't want to eat any food. And Joseph said, okay, this is Joseph, not his father, his friend, Jesus' friend. Jesus, all the guys would say, all oh, the girls don't want any food. Jesus would say, wait a minute, wait a minute. When girls say this, it really means the opposite. He had friends deny him. He had friends betray him. He had friends crucify him. He had his own people shout crucify him. He had his religious leaders of his own faith turn on him. He was tempted in every way. He came as us, all man, all God. When he came, he engaged our doubt. What I mean by engaged our doubt is that he had to deal with the same issues you deal with. And what he was doing was showing us he is how you do it. He is how you were made to live. The miracles I do, you were made to do that. He, John 14, 12, the things I do, you will do in any greater works. What does that mean? Exactly what he said. But because we doubt it, we don't do it. He says, I'm giving you all authority. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. What is a witness? A witness is a witness. You are not only going to proclaim the truth, you are going to display kingdom power. But if you don't believe that, you won't do it. So he's on earth casting out demons, raising the dead, to healing the blind people. And he's saying, y'all are going to do this. Pay attention. Pay attention. If I don't do this by the king, the, the power of God, the finger of God, the kingdom of God has not come. So look what it says. John chapter 9. Very simple story. Boys demon possessed. Love this story. Boys demon possessed. The, 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 the father brings the boy to the disciples in verse 19. Mark, did I say Mark? Yes, Mark 9, verse 19. It says, O faithless generation... How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring the boy to me. They brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground. He wilded and foamed with the mouth. And he asked him, how long has this been happening? And he said, ever since he was a child. Often he has thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. This is the father talking to Jesus. And here's what Jesus said. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, as I read that, I'm going to read it again slow. I want you to ask yourself, do you believe that? If you can believe, 
All things are possible to him who believes. The devil would want to put doubt in your mind. Well, I believe that. I believe that in the Bible. But is he going to pay my rent? Is he going to heal my marriage? Is he going to free me of my addiction? Now, it doesn't mean you sit around and do nothing. You've got to trust him. You have to obey him as he leads you into victory. But he has called you to be a warrior. That's your story. It's not information. The gospel is not information. The gospel is a person. It's a relationship. Someone asked me, what's the purpose of man? And we were having a discussion, heated, almost argument. And he said, uh, God created man to worship him. I said, no, he did not. He was already being worshipped. He don't need us to worship him. God created man to, 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 to you know, learn the Bible and go to church. I said, no. Why do people have babies? To love babies. To love them. To care for them. God created people for the same reason we have babies. By the way, we have babies for the same reason God created people. Relationship. God created you to have a relationship. It's really that it. All this is part of the relationship part. But it becomes religion when we take the relationship out and we just start doing the things. God just wants you to be his, he just wants to be your daddy. That's it. Your daddy. That's your story. And we run around in our story trying to find these other daddies and, and satisfaction from other things that only daddy can give. You talking about having daddy issues, we got daddy issues. And so he says here, he says, if you can believe, and he says immediately the father said, and this is the prayer of the whole Bible. This is the prayer, the most, one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful prayer in the Bible. Look what it says. Lord, verse 24, I believe, but can you help my unbelief? Raise your hand if you, if you can just be honest and say there's some part of you that doubts God. Oh, gosh. Very good. Here's what God says. I can handle that. Amen. You don't got to hide. You don't got to act like you're all perfect. You know, one of, the, one, of the, one of the occupational hazards of being a pastor is that people have this expectation of perfection on the pastor. And the pastor has to make a decision. Does he try to fake that and live up to that? Or does he try to say, let me tell you how messed up I am so you stop thinking that. So I could be a regular person. Are you following me? We all got it. But if you say to God, God, I believe, but there's a part of me that goes, can you help that? That's all I need. That's all I need. I don't need you to be perfect. I want you to just try. I want you to give me your doubt. And here's Jesus saying, I'm living what you're living. I know what it's like to be in this. I know what it's like to be criticized and questioned and backstabbed and lied to and cheated. I get that. But I'm living in 100% victory in that. And I'm showing you that I get that. I understand. We're, we're putting this website together to do evangelism on. And on the website, we're having a, 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 a we call it a channel, but a little button for prayer. And, and this website is for non-Christians. It's to, it's, it's to be non-Christian friendly. And so I decided on this, this button for prayer, when you hit the button for prayer, it's going to say cancer, rape, molestation, uh, uh, financial, divorce, relationship issues, mental illness, whatever. And we're going to try to get as many issues as possible. And when you click on that button, it's going to be a person that God gave victory over that. And they're going to pray for you. It's going to be a video. It's not going to be live, obviously. And... 
And one of them is going to be uh, rape. So I'm sitting in this basketball game, and this girl, lady, sits next to me. 12,000 people. She sits next to me. And she tells me a story I told you in the very beginning. I said, will you be part of this video? And, I, and I'm telling all the people, we filmed a bunch of them today. I said, tell all the people, when you look into that camera, I want that person on that camera that you're talking to, I want them to know from your heart, as you speak, you are not here to give a speech. You're here to pour your heart out. I want you to let them know they are not alone. Because when you go through that, you feel all alone. And the Bible says, no temptation is overtaking you except what is common. In other words, if you're going through something, welcome to the club. But the devil will say, you're all by yourself. God is doing this just to you. Why is he against you? Look at all those people who are happy. That's why Facebook is so messed up. Because you look at all the stuff that, that people say, oh, my life is so great. I have this amazing man. I went on this vacation. They were in the back of their house taking a picture in front of a picture. <laughs> and that dude is their cousin. And they got all these different pictures. And you think, my life is so messed up. And it's not even real. And the devil would have you over here in the corner thinking, poor me, poor me, poor me. uh, Jesus said, I know what you're going through. I'm living it. I'm getting those attacks. But I'm living victorious over it, and I'm showing you that you can too. And he says, Immediately the father cried out, verse 24, Lord, I believe it, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit. He said, you deaf, dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. The spirit cried out ah! and convulsed him and greatly came out of him. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you've ever seen a demon, a demon exorcism. It's pretty cool. Uh, what happens is the people who have demons will act pretty normal most of the time because the demon does not want you to know he's there. And but the demons are very smart, so they'll just mess with you very subtly. But when someone with authority comes near that demon and acknowledges that demon and starts to speak authority over that demon... You have authority over every power and principality in Jesus' name. Because Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. And I give that to you. Matter of fact, when Adam and Eve had it, they gave it away. Jesus got it back. And he gives it back. That's your story. That's the story you're in. Whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, by the way, whether you believe it or not. But what happens when you're going to do demon possession and you start to, to get close to exercising authority over that demon, they will start to, uh, what they call, um, act out. To scare you away. To scare you away. The demon's trying to get you to stop and get scared and so you can leave them alone because they do not want to leave. This demon cries out. Look what it says. You deaf, dumb spirit. And in verse, verse 27, Verse 28, uh, verse 26, verse 26, the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, came out of him. He became as one dead, so that many said the boy is dead. And Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. And, and his disciples said, yo, Jesus, come over here. And they closed the door and they got him in the room. And they're like, that was awesome. How did you do that? And Jesus said, you can do this too. Jesus said, everything I've been doing, you can do. You have, I'm going to give you all this authority. 
I am being a role model to you. But it's going to cost you. You have to pray and fast. Number three, if you're writing notes down. The spirit comforts your doubt. The cool thing about Christianity is we have a book called the Bible. We have a God Father. We have God the Son. We got the spirit of God who's with us every day, empowering us, guiding us, leading us into all truth, reminding us what Jesus said, convicting us, convicting of us of our sin. Your story is that you've asked Christ to be your savior and all your life you are fighting this battle and you will always until the day you die have battles that are too big for you, but they're not too big for God. And God is just trying God is fighting the battle through you, but in order for you to fight it successfully, you have to trust him to do it through you. Can I get amen? amen. In a minute, we're going to pray. There are some of you in here, you, your spiritual life has been Bible study or church once a month or <laughs> coming to church and going home watch pornography, beating your wife, getting high. Or it's just intellectual. And God's like, I don't want any of that. I want a warrior. I want a son, a daughter who loves me as dad. That's what I want. I want someone who's passionate about me. That's going to that's gonna light up when I come in the room, which I am in the room 24-7. That's going to trust me. And when you have doubt, you have faith enough to give me your doubt and say, God, what's up with this? You have faith to cry out to me, to surrender to me, to trust me, to walk into the unknown with me. That's what I want because there is a battle. What in the world is going on? Let me tell you what in the world is going on. Let me interpret that for y'all. Christians are hiding. That's what's going on. The world is supposed to do what it's doing. Non-believers are supposed to lie, supposed to cheat, supposed to scam. That's what sin is. Sin brings death, but believers are supposed to shine and bring life. And when you turn a light on in a room, the darkness has to flee. Light travels 186,000 miles per second, and the only thing faster than light is darkness running away. You've never turned a light on in the room and the darkness go, I ain't going nowhere. It's, it's, not, it's not even a discussion. It's like, bah, bah, does this happen? Just like that. You've never seen it go, light on, and then go, ah, okay, we'll go now. That has never happened. But yet, you know what's going on? Christians are hiding. And God's like, where are my warriors? So in a minute, we're going to pray. And you're going to have the opportunity. I'm going to pray one prayer, but it's two groups of people, same prayer. It's a surrender to Jesus. There may be some of you in here, you've never asked Christ to be your savior. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of you, of us, the penalty is death. 100% of people die. But in the meantime, your dreams die, your relationships die, your health dies, your vision dies, your joy dies as a result of sin. God warns us all throughout our life with death to stay away from sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The penalty of sin is death. However, while we were sinners, Jesus died in our place. 
He died for us and he died as us. He came as a man. He humbled himself to the point of being a man, just like us. The second Adam. What the first Adam couldn't do, he came and did. Overcome the devil in the human body. He's the bomb. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you say to God, you know what, I'm a sinner, God. I can't cleanse myself of my sin. And I know that penalty is death, but I trust that you love me. Please forgive me of my sin. He will forgive you. But it's a relationship. It's not a religion. So in a minute, we're going to pray, and you're going to have an opportunity to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm going to pray the one prayer. But it also applies to you if you are already saved, and you just want more of God. Don't think, well, I already did that. I'm not praying that sinner's prayer. (laughs) The sinner's prayer are wedding vows. It's all it is. When you get married, you say, I, 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 uh, uh, I don't even know the wedding vow. I got to read it every time. <laughs> Pastor, what is it? <laughs> to, to have it, you don't even remember. <laughs> to have it to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse. I, I, you know, I pledge you my love, uh, you know, Leroy, you know, so whatever. All you're saying is here are the parameters of the relationship. That's all. It means nothing, by the way absolutely nothing. What I mean by it means nothing. It has no legal bearing. You are, but you are saying, here's how I understand the parameters of relationship. When you ask Christ to be your savior, I, I, I'm a sinner. Jesus died on the cross for me. Please forgive me. All you're doing is reciting what you understand to be the parameters of the relationship. That's all it is. But if you just simply said, God, just save me, please. That's all. That's good. But the more you say, the more you're actually declaring, I get it. I'm the bad guy. You're the good guy. I can't do this, and you can. Are you following me? So we're going to pray. What's just one prayer? But there's some of y'all like, let's go. Let's do this. When God said to me, pursue me, I said, okay. Let's pray real quick. I've got three minutes. You guys have heard the gospel over and over and over again. You know that the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the penalty of sin is death. If you would like to surrender your life to Jesus first time or recommit your life to him, I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's not long. It's very simple. Pray it in the privacy of your heart. It goes like this. Dear God, please forgive me. I surrender my life to Jesus Christ who died and rose from the dead for my sin. Fill me with the Spirit of God. I want to surrender my life to my Lord and Savior. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to count to three and ask you to stand. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before man, I'm going to be ashamed of you before my father. This is a very important moment in your story. You are enlisting or re-enlisting into the army. You say, Lord, I am your friend. I am going to promote and live your agenda. 
So if you prayed that prayer and you're saying, yes, I want Jesus to be my savior or I'm recommitting my life, I'm going to ask you to stand on the count of three. So I want everybody just to move their hips back in their seat, get their thighs ready to, to straighten up, tighten up your abs, just prepare yourself because you're going to rise and resurrect to a new life. Holy Spirit, I pray, you, I pray you prompt people. I pray their hearts are pounding right now. I pray that you just, on a count of three, move them to follow you, to step out in faith. So on a count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to stand up. One, two, three. Just stand to your feet. God bless you. 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 Now here's what we're going to do. You guys going to sing? You got a good song to sing? Okay, so they got a great song to sing. They're going to sing a song, and as they sing this song, I'm going to ask all of y'all to come out of your seat and come down to the altar, and we're going to sing this song together, and then I'm going to pray you out at the end. Ready? Come on out of your seat. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. There is love that came for us, humble to a sinner's cross You broke my shame And sinfulness You rose again Victorious And faithfulness None can deny Through the storm and through the fire, there is truth that sets me free, Jesus Christ who lives in me. You are, you are stronger, you are stronger, sin is broken, you have saved me, it is written, Christ is risen, Jesus you are Lord of No beginning and no end You're my hope and my defense You came to seek and save the lost You paid it all upon the cross Sing it out there And you are stronger You are stronger, sin is broken, you have saved me, it is written, Christ is risen, Jesus you are Lord of all, yes you are Lord, you are Lord of all God. Sing us out, Jim, so let your name be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be 
did. Let's lift up his name. So let your name be lifted higher. Be lifted higher. Be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher. Be lifted higher. Be lifted higher. And you are stronger. You are stronger. Sin is broken. You have saved me. It is written. Christ is risen. Jesus, you are Lord of all. If every single one of you are saying right now, I want more. I would imagine 90% of you have already done this before. A lot of you have. So what are you going to do? Do not go home and wait to feel something. If I don't feel it, it didn't mean anything. Or, or if you feel something now and, and a week from now, you don't feel it, that you go back to know that that's going to go away. For all of you who got married, remember how you felt when you first met your wife and husband? That feeling ain't there anymore. Can I get it? <laughs> It's a lot better than for me, New York. <laughs> but it goes away. It's like, no, love is a commitment, right? You love that person whether you feel like it or not. And so my, my challenge to you is before you lay your head on your pillow, identify what you are going to do different. I'm going to pray. I was at a, at a meeting the other day with a bunch of pastors today, and we were talking. This one pastor came and said, yeah, I'm feeling stale and blah, 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 blah. And I, and I told him that story, what, what happened to me. And I said, I'm going to make a covenant with you to pray 30 minutes a day on your knees. I'm not a knee person. I, I'm a, I walk around. I can't even stand behind a podium. I walk around, right? I said, 30 minutes a day. But let's do something different. You're going to make a commitment to read. You got all these resources here at this church. If you go to this church, do what they're offering. Get involved. Do something. But don't go home and think, well, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not feeling it. No, forget that. Make a commitment. Are you, are you following? I'll tell you this last story. When I met my wife, I asked my wife to dance. She said no. And then I said, you know, I just didn't move. And I said, my friends are watching. Can you just please dance with me? <laughs> so we ended up dancing. Then, then, then the slow record come on. And I was like, you know, I want to really hold you right now. Can I dance? And she said, no. She didn't dance with me slow. And then I said, can I, can I, can I, can I have your phone number? And she said, no. This is a true story. The woman standing right over there. I said, I said well, how am I going to see you again? She said, you'll figure it out. God's only going to do but so much for you. I mean, he's done everything he can. You got to do your part. And, and you're disciplined about making money. You're disciplined about all the other stuff. Be disciplined about that. Lord, I pray for all these people. I pray they change the church. Starting right now, they, walk, they wouldn't even leave here without saying, what can I do? They're warriors. They're warriors. That's the story. They're in a war, whether they know it, like it, want it or not. If they look the enemy in the eye and say, you have no authority in my life. You are a liar. You're a cheat. And you're doomed to hell. My king is alive. I'm a child of the king. And you look death in your life, the death of addiction and broken relationships. And you look death and you speak life and say, Lord, I pray for life. I pray for redemption. I pray for reconciliation. And I will be on my knees and I will pray and cry fire out of heaven.
thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor, pastor, pastor.